0: Hello everyone, it is me at the top of the show to let you know of all the shows I'm doing this year at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. If you've got kids, I'm doing Humankind Weekends at the Q Courthouse, 11.30 is the time, nice time you can finish, go and have some lunch around in Q, it's a very nice area. Uh, the show's really lovely, I really like doing it, the audiences who have been in Perth and Launceston and Bendigo have all enjoyed it, so come along, especially if you've got kids aged between like 5 and 9, 4 and 10, you, you know your kids. If they're smart kids and they can sit in a room and concentrate for 50 minutes and they're four years old, bring them along. They'll get it. They'll understand. Uh, Tickets are at joshearl.com.au. Also, I have the four shows at European Beer Cafe, the Don't You Know Who I Am's. They're selling very well. So if you're thinking, oh, I do want to come, I've just got to um, wait for a bit to get my tickets, don't wait too long because the first show in particular, great lineup and also is looking close to being pretty full. So tickets are at joshiel.com.au. That's Saturdays at 3 p.m. at Morris House, which is European Beer Cafe, but they've just changed the name. So I'm also doing two shows at the Festival Club at Max Watts. So that's April 4 and April 18. April 4 is the 100% Hits Volume Pod Show, and April 18 is Don't You Know Who I Am. Uh, All international guests for the Don't You Know Who I Am. The 100% Hits, we're doing the best of the best of 97. It's gonna be a fantastic show. Yes, I know it's late, but it's school night, but it's festival, and come on, you can you can rock up on Wednesday and tell all your work colleagues why am I tired? Because I saw a great show. Anyway, tickets for all these shows can be found on my website, joshearl.com.au. Hey, big thanks to everyone who's a Patreon subscribers. You guys are the absolute best. A new episode dropped this week with Greg Larson talking Hit Machine 12. It's it's a great episode, Greg Larson. Very, very funny, and I think I may have changed his life with one of the songs I played him. He, he was a big fan of that song. And so uh, go over to patreon.com slash dykwia, um, become a $5 a month subscriber, and you can have access to that episode and hundreds of other episodes that I've got up there. That's uh, all there waiting for you, just 5 bucks a month. That's all from me. Enjoy this episode recorded with my old pal Jess Maguire talking about 100% hits volume (laughs) 20-something? It's been a big week. Anyway, here's some music. Mm. Hello, gompies, and welcome to One Ives Hits volume pod, the podcast that looks at like the greatest compilation series this country has ever produced. My name is Josh Earl and joining me this week, first time guest, very special, probably the person I've asked the most to be on, like <laughs> I think there's been like three, three cases I said, hi, oh, can you do it? He's always too busy. Can you please welcome onto the show? It's Tommy Daslow, everyone. Yay.
1: Woo. Too busy, and then today you were going to come to my house to do this, and I'm sick, so I Yo. said, stay away. I, cont- I I, I, know a lot of people think the pandemic is over, but I'll be damned if I'm going to stop self-isolating
0: for years. <laughs> I'm going to keep it going. So, yeah, you're a little bit under the weather, but you did go and see a pop concert last night, which ties in with this yeah. show. You went and saw Carly, mm. Carly Ray Jepson.
1: Yeah, I did. I had a wonderful time. Uh a great show. It was really fun. I wish there was something funnier to say about it, but uh I just Kay. I just gave myself over to it.
0: Did she start with Call Me Maybe or end with Call Me Maybe?
1: She did Call Me Maybe, I reckon song like 4 or so. Nice. Which we were talking about this after the after the gig like she's got so many great songs and yep. she ended with Cut to the Feeling. Like she has so many songs that she can open with and close with that are going to get people going. Uh, I love any artist that has like the big hit that they're able to just drop, like, yeah, song three to really get people going. It's it's such a good move. Just get it out of the way,
0: especially a song like that where it's like, not that she, I don't think she'd be ashamed by the song, but it was such a kind of like, what is this song like? At t- I remember at the Triple R Christmas party. The DJ played mm. it, and a guy from Triple R threw a bottle at the DJ, hit him in the face, and the DJ <laughs> went, that's it. This whole thing's fucked. You're fucked. And the guy who threw the bottle was like, no, that's not Triple R. That's not Triple R. For Call Me yeah, Maybe, I mean, one it, of the best pop songs of the last 20 years.
1: It's really good. Well, I mean, yeah, two things on that. I mean, yeah, first of all, like, she's in the country because she played at Golden Plains over the weekend, yep. which the the pipeline of friend of the pod, Andrew Levin's playing Justin Bieber when he DJed at Meredith like seven years ago or something yep. and getting so much online hate to it to now just like the festival <laughs> booking an act very <laughs> similar to that as a headliner um, is, you know, pretty funny. But also, yeah, Call Me Maybe, uh, you're right, I don't think she's the sort of person who would be ashamed of her previous work, yep. but she did after that make a pretty clear decision to sort of go in... Not a different direction, but, you know, she could have kept cranking out songs like that and been playing a venue like, you know, Rod Laver Arena by now or something. Yeah. But she kind of, like, she started working with, like, Blood Orange and these kind of, like, pretty in vogue producers to make, yeah, pop music that was a little more, like, straddling the line of, I don't know, indie sort of fans, I guess.
0: Yeah. Hey, so we're talking 97 The Music... Side B. Yeah. So this was the first time they ditched the uh, 100% Hits volume, whatever, and gone, we're just going to say this is the year for music. Okay. So you, you how old were you in 97? 11? 10? 11? In 97, yeah, I turned 11. Okay. What kind of music were you listening to? That's
1: a good question. Um, I Thank don't – I probably still <laughs> – I probably still would have been – just listening to whatever was on the radio in the car on the way to school and yep. and and by that it would have been like yeah fox fm or double t fm yep. i don't think i was quite into yeah like kind of hunting out my own music did yet.
0: your parents listen to music in the house nah no, my parents are, mine
1: yeah. yeah yeah all the I, i'm so jealous of people that grew up with like the, you know the beatles and the stones just being on in the background cuz i just feel like yeah i never got that educate like I had to hunt all that sort of like go deep on older stuff myself yep. when I got to a certain age. My parents have one CD and it's the best of ABBA, and they've still got it, and that's all they listen to. And fuck me, I hate ABBA, <laughs> just, <laughs> a, just a dull band got nothing for them
0: because my mum still drives with no radio on in the car, just to in mm. silence, and it mm. it drives me insane when I'm in the car with it. My
1: parents will drive with uh. AM radio on but not properly tuned in. Well yeah. I, you know, the, those like frequencies that they're like always slightly off. Oh, you go so near you a tram and, and you can't like... you can't hear it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get in the car and there's just this screeching of static and it's like, How are you how are you going on a long drive like this? I don't get it.
0: Alright, we're gonna kick off. So side B side A, probably the strongest side we've ever had on the show. Just Okay. Put that out there. Side B, let's yep. see if it keeps up. I have a feeling it might not, but we're going to kick it off with an artist who we've talked about previously. I didn't think, I didn't think she'd come up again because I only knew her from one song. We're talking about ex-UK Eurovision entrant, even though she's Australian. This is the follow-up to Ooh Ah, uh, just a little bit. This is Gina G and her song, I Belong to You. Ever heard this song before, Tommy?
1: I think I might have. I've definitely heard Ooh Ah. Yeah. Yeah. It was always funny to me that you'd be hearing this, like, on breakfast radio on the drive to school. Like, makes you high, like a to the sea. I hear you. No, I don't think I
0: have heard this. I, I think it holds up pretty good. The production value this is, is better yeah, than this I anticipated.
1: Yeah, this is t- totally the vibe of it's stuff I'm into right. presently, honestly. Yeah.
0: I mean, this I belong just to sounds you like you Hot Chip. You belong <laughs> <to me naturally laughs> so, so instead of like a, a Brisbane woman singing it, if you had Alexis from Hot Chip singing over the top of this, yeah. you'd be really into it. I
1: could it. see, 100%, I could see them covering that. That's yeah. like, that's totally their kind of like melody and song structure and everything. No, that's, it's really, isn't it, you must be finding this heaps when you go back through these and you, yeah, the the like first hit that someone had, of course, you remember it very yep. clearly. It's quite ubiquitous and then finding out that they had like a big follow up that you've just you feel like you've never heard in your life but you must have somewhere at the time
0: yeah well this this was quite successful as a follow up it got to number 6 in the UK so okay. sh- in Eurovision she came 8th i should point out for uh okay for UK I- Ireland won that year uh it went top 20 in six other countries even though in Australia where she's from only got to 34 we just didn't care for Gina G yeah right uh, That's the, the other f- <laughs>
1: weird thing too is like finding out how many of these acts are from Australia. Like I just kind of, I think being a kid, I like most stuff I just assumed there's no way this could be from this country.
0: Yep. I think we did pretty good pop at this point as well. We mm. didn't in the early 90s, uh, I've, I've discovered from this podcast, but around here, <laughs> yep. the production value is, is okay. I mean, it's so weird because you have the, um, you know, everything coming out of like Dr. Dre and stuff like that. Which just sounds mm. so much more progressive than anything else at the time. And yep, yep. you play it against all the Eurodance and you go, Oh man, Eurodance was dead in the water as soon as, as soon as Snoop Dogg <laughs> came out. Um, but Yeah, totally. The film clip for this is a takeoff of the T V show I Dream of Jeannie. So Gina mm-hmm. plays the genie, which I'm thinking okay. was all of five seconds in the in the like rehearsal studio going, Oh, Gina, Genie, oh, you could play Genie from I Dream of Genie*. Um, yeah, uh, is
1: there, there's no thematic link to the lyrics of the song or anything. Is there? It's just like I don't. I mean, I don't mind it. There's, you know, there's worse <laughs> links yeah. to videos.
0: Well, a big old nerd finds finds a bottle, rubs it, Gina appears, clicks her fingers, and like Steve Urkel changing into Stefan Urkel, uh, this guy becomes cool, which just means he takes his glasses off and stops putting so much wax in his hair, <laughs> and that's and then that he's just <laughs> cool. Uh, then he sits down on a couch, and genie and two other, or Gina and two other genies appear, uh, and just dance for him. And then mm-hmm. it ends with him somehow being in the bottle. She's like, "All right, clicks her fingers. They're both in the bottle, and we're led to believe they're about to fuck in the bottle." So and wait, the song so he, he gets
1: a he gets a genie, yeah, and w- not even like the fucking bit, even a step before that, we're to believe that his wish. Is to go into the bottle, yeah. like not. Let's fuck out here in the in the whole world. Let's let's go yep. and live in a cramped little bottle.
0: He, he's in his house too, so he could just go into the bedroom. Yeah. Like he's already getting a yep. lap dance from Gina, and then yeah.
1: I mean, I guess if you're gonna have sex with a genie, it's like let's let's have the whole experience. In for a penny, <laughs> in for a pound. Let's do it in the let's do it bottle style. I. Yeah, I'm coming around. Uh, she shrunk
0: it. she shrunk him down so he's got an excuse. He's like, "Uh, oh, it's normally bigger, but you shrunk it." Like it's- <laughs> I think
1: I think you shrunk me, but then you like yeah. aimed it there and you like double shrunk that bit. That's oh, that's yeah. so crazy how these how these magic powers work.
0: <laughs> when I get out, I better wish for a bigger one. Sorry, like but it's on you. That can't be added to my wishes. Oh,
1: man. I used up one of these wishes on wanting to be in the bottle. That's so stupid. <laughs>
0: All right, moving on. Oh, speaking of, uh, you know, we mentioned Ireland in in the Eurovision talk. The biggest band from Ireland, The mm. Boys, you 2 and the opening track from their much maligned pop album. This is Disco Tech. It has quite a slow start, so I might I might push it forward a bit.
1: I think I know this one, and I think I like it from memory.
0: All right, I'm going to push it forward about 30 seconds. You can grab it
1: Was that singing with him, or is that just him double track?
0: It might be Edge because they wrote the lyrics Hell together. Yeah. yeah, right.
1: Bono, I think it's time for me to hop on the mic.
0: But listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, which you will do. I'm, I'm, guaranteed.
1: <laughs> this sounds cool. You like this?
0: Yeah, I like it. A lot of people like this. This went to number one in seven countries. Got to number three here. The film clip, we had uh, I Dream a genie last one. This one, they're taking off the village people and they're inside a mirror ball. So it's almost lit. Oh, linked. that's right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, This is uh, this is the album where they do like um, Mac Fisto and like the fly and stuff on that tour, right? They're like yeah. Bono's doing little skits in between the songs. Bono yeah, thinks the, he's I, a comedian. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, there's not, there's just something so fascinating to me about, like, a band that is the biggest band on the world, just making a hard pivot and people just not being into it. I, like, anytime there's, like, an example of that, I really do my best to, get, like, try and go deep on it and just really get into it and just yep. see, you know, try and, like, get to the bottom of, like, w- you know, what they thought they were cooking up, like... Because everything U2 does is to take them... They're already so big. They're already yep. as big as you can possibly be. But everything they do is, like, their assumption is that it's going to take them to, the like, some new stratosphere that hasn't been discovered yet in terms of popular culture.
0: This is my theory with U2. They're not as bad as people think they are, but they're not as good as they think they are. Does that
1: that's make sense? That's true. I mean, if... Yeah, if all that existed was just their catalogue of the hits, yeah. then... Yeah, that's incredible. But then, like... It's funny, like people people tie in their dislike of just Bono as a person, and then the whole iPhone thing, the whole yep. like album on the iPhone thing. People kind of let that dictate, you know, what they retroactively think of the music, and it's yep. like that's just wrong. Like the hits from the eighties, and yeah, even into like the early thousands, like they're just they're untouchable. They're just yep. they've made some incre- even like some of their newer stuff is like I'll I'll dig into what they put out, and there's like. One or two decent ones on each new thing they put out?
0: Well, this song was one of the first songs to be leaked on the internet. So it prompted the label to bring the release date forward. And this is how big the band was at the time. Just before the release date of this album, MTV, for 24 hours, played nothing but U2 film clips. But it was only the same 13 film clips, just on a loop. (laughs) So so every hour, it just looped back again. And that was was MTV. And they wonder why no one watches it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but people are like, oh, it doesn't play music videos anymore. Yeah. Like, if they did, if they <laughs> did, if they were like, all right, here you go, you get your wish, and then it's yes, yeah, thirteen hours of YouTube video of YouTube videos.
0: Um, oh, so how they wrote this record is that uh, Larry Mullen Jr., their drummer, uh, had back surgery mm. in '95, and so they were kind of like they booked in a tour for this album, like a world tour, before even writing the album, and so they were kind of time poor and really pushed for time. And uh, when Larry Mullen Jr. came back to the band, they had all these drum machines and stuff like that. And he got a bit pissed off, as you would. I, mean, I, I yeah. get it, but it's like that thing of going, oh, so, so my role in the band is now I press a drum pad, like I press a computer and that's it. Yeah. Cool. I mean, it's it's
1: just that thing, if you're that person in a band and you've got, like, a very big personality up front, like, it is always going to be in the back of your mind, like, uh, because they're doing that again. They're doing this big residency in Vegas in this, like, big purpose-built sphere thing that, that again, is them trying to be like, well, yeah, let's do, we're going to do the biggest, you know, live residency thing that's ever been done. And he's not going to be with him. He's I, he's having surgery again for something. I think so. Again, it's like yeah, we're going to do these biggest shows we've ever done. And sorry, mate, just uh, you know, uh, it's the only are, time we could get the space.
0: <laughs> the album sold really well, but it is their lowest selling album ever in their whole back catalog. Really? Yeah, but it, it's gone yeah, platinum. Right. Like it, it's still like any other band would go. Oh fuck! I'd love to have those sales. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. they. They did their uh, opening kind of like press release and uh, press interviews, and they hired out a Kmart in Astor Place and and did did it all there. And they thought they were mm. it was a kind of a real kind of like, yeah, this is a like looking at consumerism and how it affects us all. Yeah, but in the end, it was just the band in U two, uh, the band in Kmart. It was just like. In their head, right. like, how how cool is this going to be? We're really going to fuck with people's perceptions. And then it was like, oh, no, we're just in Kmart now. There's a whole bunch of people here lining up for the album. We're selling it. Like, it's, yeah.
1: Yeah, this is this is probably the start of, yeah, when people kind of start to really get off them, right? Like, a stunt like that where you go, yeah, we're, you know, we're mocking consumerism and it's like, you're selling an album. Like, this yeah. costs, <laughs> you, you know, you're selling a product that costs people $25, like, yeah. Yeah.
0: They were in they uh also played one song uh from it, a, a B side called Holy Joe, and it was uh, mm. broadcast live on TV, radio and the internet. And uh yeah. Yeah, right. That God imagine the were... quality
1: of that internet stream. Oh, Ninety seven. <laughs> so that would have been rough. Tiny <laughs> little real player window just buffering for the entire performance. That's probably why they just played a B side. If they were thinking like, Yeah, hey, this is kicking off on the internet, let's play something that's not <laughs> That's not going to be a bummer if people can't see it
0: Yeah Alright, so that was Tech by you 2 Now The next song Is It is the meme The thing of like When you want live lightning crashes And mum says, no, we've got live lightning crashes at home <laughs> Okay It is Yeah Better than Ezra And their song Desperately Wanting Pass the road to your house. Oh my god that you never call where they turned out to light? Who say you never know? I can't imagine you liking this at all. I remember running through the wet grass. I'm I'm just waiting to see where we're going here. <laughs> I've
1: got faith in the course.
0: That should full You would never Yes. Here we go.
1: All right. <laughs> now we're talking. Yeah, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was giving him the benefit go. of the doubt, but... Yeah.
0: It's, it's, just, it I is mean, uh, lightning it, crashes by live. They've just it, totally. tried to copy it. Just, I'm trying to
1: think, like, if that... Obviously, if something becomes really popular, then, uh, you know, a lot of other artists are going to try and, like, do the same thing and get it on that space. But I feel like this era, that happens, like, way more blatantly than it does now. I don't know yeah. if I've just got the blinkers on or whatever, if I'm just not as tapped in on popular stuff. But it does feel like now you do, you do just get more of, like, oh, cool, I'm, let's make a song in that genre as well. But, like, the 90s is just so much, like, straight-up copycat bands that are just formed to, like, yeah, yeah, blatantly just make money off the exact same thing, doing the same song in a very disposable way.
0: So better than Ezra, m- most known in my brain from the Norm Macdonald SNL joke, which he says okay. number one on the college charts. Better than Ezra, number two, Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder
1: if uh, I wonder if the um, NBC uh, like better than Ezra is just a psyop where they just like created this band <laughs> for the purposes of Norm having a ripper on uh, Weekend Update.
0: <laughs> uh, the name. <laughs> comes from an Ernest Hemingway uh, memoir uh, called *A Moveable Feast*, and he said, "No worse than other noises; certainly better than Ezra learning to play the bassoon." So that's that's where the name comes that's, from.
1: That's so strange to be like, kind of. That's that's such like a bizarre way of coming up with a name. You know, it shows that you're like really thinking about things. You're like really tapped into like, yeah, culture and art and everything. But then your band is just a straight up rip off of another thing. Yeah. You know to be like that invested in the name where it's like there's kind of a cool interesting story behind it. Yeah. And then just be like, yeah, we're naming our band after a Hemingway uh, quote. It's like, and then we're just making disposable rip off music.
0: Augie March is the same. It's just a that's a book. Like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all names are dumb. All band names are the dumbest thing you can ever think of.
1: Of course, yeah. I want Augie March to come back and be more prominent and um, I want to start doing the thing like people do with Jamiroquai, like just be like, oh, yeah, I love that guy Augie March. <laughs> it's just like...
0: <laughs> Glenn Richards, singer, the, the lead March. singer, always was so grumpy when I would see it. I loved Augie March, uh, like yeah. in the early 2000s. I think A Sleep in Perfection, the first time I heard it, I thought it was a Radiohead song. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this new Radiohead song, and then you listen to it now, and I'm like, oh, it sounds nothing like Radiohead. It's just that that time in my life where it was like, oh, people listen to the Bends a lot. Anyway, every time I saw him, he was grumpy. And one time I saw him at the Big Day Out, and he uh, tore his thumbnail like that he used mm. to play guitar, and you could tell he was so, so annoyed. It's like, dude, just, <laughs> just grab a pick. Like there's pixels around. I can see them on your mic stand. Just grab one. Like yeah. But it was like yeah. he was really, really annoyed. and it not like it would hurt. It's just that thing, oh I've broke my nail.
1: I saw um I saw a mutual friend of ours, Dave, recently, and he is a huge Augie March fan. And he was at a he was telling me he was at a wedding a while ago and that guy was there, the main Augie, yep. Augie March himself yep, was there. Augie. And um he just was like, uh, I've got to." D- uh, he, like, saw him at the bar. He was trying to play it cool. He saw him at the bar, and then he went up, and he, like, made this gag where he's like, hey, man, I'm a big fan. Can I buy you a drink? When it's, like, you know, it's a wedding, so yep. it's open bar. And he's like, oh, ha, ha. And then he just, like, just kind of, chew- like, just holds court with this guy for the entire wedding. Like, doesn't circulate, doesn't meet anyone else. It's just like, this is insane. I'm at a... W- I've got this, like... I'm at a very intimate event with, like, one of my favourite artists. <laughs> it's like, that is... That is, like, the ultimate, like, yeah. way of finding yourself in an interaction with someone you admire.
0: When you said he was going to do this joke, I thought he was going to go, Augie, Augie, Augie. Oi, oi, oi. Augie. <laughs> Augie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 it was like before Carly Ray Jepsen came on last night, the crowd starts going, Karly, Karly, <laughs> Carly, Carly, <laughs> Carly. And you're just standing there going, what a shit country. <laughs> I hate it here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, better than Ezra, still together. Two of the band members, uh, Kevin Griffin, really? Tom Drummond. Yep, they played last year two sold-out shows. Oh, sorry, in 2021, two sold-out shows in their hometown of New Orleans. Uh, one was for mm-hmm. the 25th anniversary of Friction Baby. They played it in its entirety, and then the next night they played the album before that in its entirety. And they have a new album coming out this year called Mystified. As in, I'm so mystified that this, they are still together. <laughs> does this
1: happen a bit on this show where you just like go off on an artist where you're like, "Who are these one-hit wonder nobodies?" And then it's like you get a lot of feedback from listeners going, "Like, dude, they're still around. They rip. Saw them last year at the forum. Have, Sick band. I, you're out of touch."
0: I, I'm, I'm try to be positive about all the music on the show, Tommy. So I, I don't, I don't mm. rag on too many of them. <laughs> so I don't get that Alright Hey This is a band They're back on the pod They Like About 10 or 12 episodes ago They're on a lot uh, This is the yep. follow up Their album from It's called EV3 This is on Vogue And their song Don't Let Go Brackets Love End brackets
1: Okay Oh yes
0: It's such a good song
1: This is so good i have forgotten about this. This is one of those songs that like, I wonder if anyone's done this for like a version. Someone must have at some point.
0: In the live show and comedy festival, Gabby Bolt's doing this one. Get your tickets, people. April 4. Max That's what we'll play. It's a good song. Banger. You've you've heard the chorus. Great lyric. Yes. You
1: have a right to lose control. (laughs) It's good. Putting it out there. Yeah. It's it's continual consent. Yeah. It's such a chill song. And then just like the phrasing of lose control is like so violent. (laughs) It's such like intense imagery.
0: Uh, Great song. This song, originally recorded for the film Set It Off, starring Jada Pinkett. Hopefully I can put her her name in my mouth uh Mm -hmm. queen latifah vivace ray fox and kimberly elise uh it's the 83rd most successful song of the 90s according to the billboard charts whoa that's pretty good yeah uh yeah it's it's
1: got it's got staying power too like you still you still hear it yeah i mean obviously i did just hear it because i'm on a podcast about it but i feel like it pops up from time to time like in shops and whatever
0: yeah so the main singer of this song is the member dawn robinson but this was the start of her thinking I might go solo because she left She left after uh. this. So even though it's on the album EV3, she was not in the band for EV3. But she had a few tracks on because I'd kind of recorded a few. She signed with uh, Dre's uh, record label, Aftermath, and uh, ah. had, had somewhat of a pretty good solo career, but no, nothing like En Vogue. Uh, this song got to number two in the US mm-hmm. and number three here. I tried to find what song got to number one at the time in the US, and I think ahead of it, I think it was "Mbop" by Hanson.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Do these yeah. these um these Hit Machine albums are they with 100% the track hits. list? Sorry, Hit they... Machine's the other one. Oh, sorry, hundred percent right. hits. Are they uh, are they in any way with the track listing? Are they like chronological, or do they base them on? Chart success or do, are they just no, is it just random?
0: Sometimes they try and do a funny thing with the – so they had CBD followed by TLC and sometimes they do things okay. like that. But it is sometimes, <laughs> Tommy, the most random. You're like going, did you even listen to it before you released it? Like these songs don't flow together.
1: Yeah, I wonder. That, that, that would be – I wonder if it truly is just like, you know, whatever, just chuck them in whatever order or w- whether there was someone in it 100% hits HQ – just really stressing on, like, you know, if you've ever put a mixtape together for someone, you yeah. just you really do think about the order and you have to, like, listen to it a few times to be like, yeah, this one goes really nicely into the next song. Yeah, I've really done a good thing here.
0: Yeah. I I have put the call out for anyone who worked on these albums in the compiling. Come on the show. The door's open. You can come on. Talk about yeah. how you did it. Talk about if there was... Because this is... One of those jobs where someone just went, oh, just give it to the work experience kid. These are the songs. Put them in, yep. in an order. Yeah.
1: And that for the work experience kid, great job. You great. would have loved having that if you were just like interning or whatever. Yeah. So are these, is this, this is like an Australian release, right? Yes. There, there was 100% hits for like every, every country had their own
0: one? Yeah, there was, that's what I call music, I think in America. And um, also I think in the UK, they, it was called Now That's What I Call Music. But oh sure, similar similar kind of stuff, and also some similar songs. I feel because you,
1: I, I googled the track. I tried to Google the tracklist for this before you sent it to me to see what was on it, and I found like a discogs listing for, I guess, like a Spanish version of a hundred percent hits. Yeah. And I got really excited about a couple of songs that were on there and then they're not on the one that you, on the track list that you sent me.
0: Well, hopefully you're excited about this one, because this is Quad City DJs and their song, Come and Ride It brackets the train. Okay.
1: I can see this being in like a Minions movie now. Yes. Yeah. Remember how like, I like to move it, move it was in Madagascar. And then like four year olds got obsessed with that bad song from however long ago.
0: This is cool. This is great. This
1: is a great riff.
0: goes on and on that's right, like
1: let's prime for like a comeback being sampled
0: well tommy it's never gone away if you've ever gone to a basketball game it's one of the songs they play oh. uh they play right, that they right. play like uh like uh snap or like black box oh yeah yeah all those what they call jock jams <laughs>
1: okay right yeah. yeah, good song, good riff.
0: Well, it's based are these on... also
1: are these compilations. Are they favoring one kind of genre over the other?
0: No, they're pretty. They're pretty good. Like they kind of stick them all together. We always get a couple of songs for the dads or mums in the car. Sure, like they're near the end. They if they do like a couple of hip hop songs, they do a very sharp turn and have like Diesel coming up next, just so Dad's not going off. Right. Like in this, if this song doesn't stop soon, I'm going to throw the CD out the window. So Um, they are
1: trying to be like a snapshot of the year overall. You're not just like getting a comp where they're just like ignoring the fact that grunge happened or whatever. No, no. like only putting in They're getting that.
0: And they generally like to end with a novelty song. Great. Although we haven't got that here, unfortunately. Okay. But coming up, we have Chris the Bloke Franklin coming up very soon. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So this is based on a Barry White sample. uh, And this is – they're from Florida – it got to three in the US and Village Voice, the New York kind of uh, street press, I think it's a street mm-hmm. press, named it the number one song of 96. Okay. Of all the songs in 1996, they said, Come on Ride the Train is the best song. Uh, That's awesome. Pitchfork included in the list of 10 actually good jock jams from the 90s. And Rolling Stone says this is the 86th greatest dance song of all time
1: Okay I mean, it is good And if you're saying you're still hearing it at basketball games Then it stood the test of time
0: Their link with basketball is they also provided the theme song For the original Space Jam film
1: Oh, okay
0: Yeah Which I always thought it was the R. Kelly song. I believe I can fly because that plays very early on. If you ever do a rewatch in 2023, mm. didn't age well.
1: Yeah, isn't it? It's like young, young Michael uh, shooting hoops. Yep. out in the backyard, right? Yeah. Yep. No, I know. I know this. I know the actual like the welcome to the welcome to the Jam, yep. welcome to the Space Jam. Yeah, I know that song. That's cool. Uh,
0: space Jam Two. I did watch. I've watched it twice now. Um, mm. Terrible film. Uh, Yeah, I never saw it. I was so pumped. A better version of Space Jam Two would be if LeBron James's kid said, "Dad, can you come play with us?" He's like, "I'm too busy." Watch this, and just puts on the original Space Jam, and we just watch the kids watch the. (laughs) That would be a better film. There's a bit where obviously they've got like I think the Sony, I think Sony made it or whatever. The Warner Brothers actually, yeah. Uh, They've got Warner Brothers
1: owns everything now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so they have all these cameos from people that kids do not know. So like. The Clockwork Orange, are they called the? the mm-hmm. What are they called? The Druid? No, what are the? I don't know. Anyway, the Clockwork I forget, Orange. But yeah, ca- isn't they yeah, turn up? like Rick and Morty? is in it, and like Rick yeah. and
1: Morty and stuff. Yeah. Rick and Morty
0: say, "Oh, here's Tassie Devil. He's too much of like too much for us to handle." And they throw Tassie Devil at LeBron James, and it's like my kids had no idea who these people were. I mean, they knew Rick and Morty, yeah. but they didn't know austin powers they didn't know the matrix because granny does a matrix scene they rip off that it's like this is wild yeah and
1: isn't it all like i don't know like the concept of the first one is like it's so pure it's like he goes into a little portal and he's in cartoon land i loved that stuff of those films from that era of like cartoons exist in just their
0: own little world yeah
1: and then isn't this one it's like ah, we're going into the internet and it's all it just seems too like convoluted of a premise right
0: it is there is one very good joke in it though and cause they're getting there, they're getting whooped and it's halftime. Mm. And then they're like, don't worry, we've found the guy who's going to save us. And then the Chicago Bulls music starts that, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's a very famous thing. And then it's like, and they go, it's Michael Jordan and it's Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> so I get it, but my kids don't know who Michael B. Jordan is. G- They've not yeah. seen Creed. I they're-
1: mean, uh, it's, yeah, it. Those things that get made where it's like, oh, the parents taking the kids along and the parents have the nostalgia for it and it is essentially a kids movie but then it, like, straddles the line and doesn't know, you know, which direction to go in. When truly the better version of that film would be, like, you still have Michael Jordan in it and it's like, I don't know, you theme it around him making The Last Dance or whatever. Like, actually, like, making the doco. (laughs) I feel like the... um. I feel like the Mario Brothers movie that's coming out is going to be a lot of that. Like it's yeah. a it's a kids film, but then there's going to be all these references to like the games from 1986 so that yeah. the dads with their kids can be like, "Yes, he's got the he's got the Tanuki suit." Yes. And then the 5-year-old next to them is like, "What the hell is going on? What is this?"
0: Um, oh, back to Quad City. So the members, Jay Ski, Yelena Lafleur, and CC Lemonhead.
1: Yeah. That's,
0: yeah. That's Sick. the band, yeah. Um, very hard to email CC Lemonhead. Uh, they're still a band, Tommy. <laughs> they're still a band. Only okay. CC Lemonhead, though, is the only original member. They now have replacing Elena on vocals is Tamara Wallace, and the other guy's name is Tony Whoa.
1: Tony Whoa. So,
0: Whoa. So W H O A. Whoa, and it's all caps.
1: I love it. All caps. All caps. Yeah, that's, you don't really see that in names ever, do you? Like No. On Because most, a lot of birth certificates, you, you would assume people have written it in all caps. Because that's how just like a lot of people write. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. Don't be putting any lowercase in there.
0: All right. Let's move on. Hey, we're going to take a break, actually. We'll be back after these messages. And we're back, and now we have a, a band called Boyzone, which oh okay made me laugh last time when I had mm. to mention the Boyzone, and this is a song mm. that doesn't make it any easier. Boyzone and their song, a different beat. Come on, guys! Like, you can't call yourself Boyzone and talk about beats. All right, here we go. <laughs>
1: It's a weird smell in here in Boy Zone. <laughs> <laughs> Why are there socks all over the floor in Boy Zone?
0: <laughs> Start very theatrical very Let's big not this oh my god and then this. <laughs> Let's not be
1: This is an insane song
0: It's so boring This take was a hit? Mate, this was a number one song It's the wow. only number one can you song go to the written cor- by can the s- band
1: Can you skip forward?
0: Oh, let's something
1: more must happen in this song. I mean, it's like in credits Avatar music. Yeah, that's
0: what I was gonna say. You're coming off like The Lion King being a huge film. Yeah. And I reckon they've gone, hey, let's let's write our own song that could fit into the Lion King soundtrack if they ever make Lion King 2.
1: So they're like So they're already. They're like a, a, you know, boy band, yep. uh, getting on the bandwagon, rip-off band. Yep. <laughs> so they're already just like following in someone else's footsteps. But then they're like, hey, stylistically, what if we make Disney movie end credit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> soundtrack music?
0: Yeah. Work for Elton John. Uh This was true. Uh, produced by Trevor Horn of the Buggles Video Kill the Radio f- uh, Star fame. He also mm-hmm. later worked with uh, one of my favourite bands, Bell and Sebastian. When he Tell joined him. on the productions is when I stopped liking them. Uh, <laughs> because of that? Not because of that, but it just it, there was a sound. They changed the sound. It was like, all right.
1: Coincidentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's kind of like, you know, those big producers who it's like, you, you're you into a band and then they put out a press release like, yeah, yeah, we're doing this new album and like Rick Rubin's producing it. always Rick Rubin. It's always, it. Rick, Rubin. Like, it's always, it's always like Rick Rubin. Or like, who's the other guy? Is it Butch Vig?
0: Yeah, Butch Vig. Uh, Flood is another one people always work with. Yeah. Yep.
1: Or even like Danger Mouse is like, I don't mind him, but his, his production just all ends up sounding the oh. same. And it's like, the new you one just now know is what Muff. you're going to get out of that album.
0: It's uh, What's the guy from Bleachers? What's his name? Who does Taylor Swift stuff? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Jack Antonoff.
1: Um, Jack Antonoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Jack, Jack me Antonoff.
0: <laughs> There's a... Uh, <laughs> there's a viral clip going around of some producer who goes, I can tell every single song of his that he's produced. Like, and they've played and they're like, they just play all of like Taylor Swift's songs from her last album. And he's like in the first couple of things like Jack Antonoff, Jack Antonoff. Oh no, I reckon that's the guy from the national and he's correct every time. He's just, he has a sound that he he does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Australia, we didn't like this song. Got to number one in the in the UK, only got to 42 here. We just couldn't give a shit. Uh, in the UK, they love Boyzone. They're the second most successful yeah, right. boy band in history in the UK, behind Take That. And wow. on the UK charts, they are the 29th most successful group in terms of singles sold.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that, I mean, I guess that doesn't happen anymore, right? That, like, uh, something can just be incredibly popular and, Top the charts in one country and it just gets a no, you know, just never gets a foothold. Yeah. Because you know? now it's like something gets, something breaks on TikTok, which is, yep. you know, everyone in the world's watching the same stuff on there at the same time.
0: Yeah. Um. So that, I mentioned this last time. They were put together by Lewis Walsh or Louis Walsh, uh, who put an ad in the paper. And you kind of even mentioned this. The ad was like, I want to make an Irish take that. So the whole thing was like, yeah, yeah I right. just want to make that. Uh, Louis Walsh is famous as a judge on The X Factor in the UK, most famous for saying no to Harry Styles in his first audition. He went, nah, I don't see it. Oh, yeah. You're too young. Great. Come back back a bit later. And Simon Cowell was like, no, this this is what the show is. We we get them young and then we mold them into the pop stars. And so, yeah, it was two yeses and one no for Harry Styles.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Putting the ad in the paper. That's, I mean... I wonder if that'll happen. I wonder if we'll go through an era where that happens again. Like, I know that's very, like, there's that, what's that Korean company that just, like, have uh, their auditions to, like, mould their bands. Yep. I think they're still doing it. But the idea of that happening in the West seems like it's, yeah, pretty much done,
0: right? I think so. All right, moving on. What if
1: you and I put um, an ad in the paper and just said, we want to make an Australian boy band? <laughs>
0: what kind of <laughs> what kind of responses do you think we get? <laughs> hey, I think we could we could spin it as in say like we could both say you know with decade long career in the entertainment industry in yep. TV radio and podcasting we could yep you could trick some guys if yeah. you want to get some young men to come and dance for us in if a, we, <laughs> you and I just yeah. I hold the auditions at stupid but, old studios so it seems legit. <laughs> It
1: would be, yeah, it would be an interesting experiment to just see, like, what kind of, like, imagine we do find someone who's, like, truly incredible, who just, like, (laughs) blows us away, and then we're just, like, well, what do we do with this? We were just kind of doing this as, like, a sort of a prank, like, where do we go with this information? Like, we've got something here.
0: Hey, we've got friends who work in Breakfast Radio. We can say, hey, hey, Nick Cody, I've got this guy. Can we get him on to sing on Triple M? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: hey taunts hey. just throw him an interview on the project
0: concetta <laughs> he's really um, got something concetta we've got this kid he's really great can we get a like a version yeah like he's
1: so we've because we're not we're not music producers we don't know how to like make a song with him no so we've just literally like we've heard him sing other stuff and we think he's really good he doesn't have anything to plug but just get him on and just like i don't know give him a you know, just throw a name of a song at him, and he'll just sing that on the air, and yeah. people will, people will hear how good he is.
0: <laughs> it's gonna be good. All right, moving on. We have kind of a one hit wonder. This is White Town, and their song, or should I just say his song, Your Woman? Here we go. White Town. <laughs> I love this song. This song is so good. Ages
1: beautifully. Cut the crap. Love this, whatever that yeah. is. Guitar, yeah. it's so good.
0: Right. All right.
1: The song used to, um, song used to really scare me. Like the first time I heard it, being a little kid, that like me, 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 yeah. me. I truly was terrified. It was like. I felt like it was like The Ring or something, even though that I don't think that film existed yet. But just I, I had this feeling of like hearing that little key line and being like, something bad's about to happen to me.
0: I had the same experience with the song Yellow, that bomp, bomp,
1: bomp, <laughs> bomp.
0: As a little kid, that really scared me. I don't yeah. know why. Yeah, yeah. Still makes me feel a bit queasy. Uh, so White Town is uh, Yoti Prakash Mishra. And the name White Town came. He was inspired to call his band Whitetown because he went to a Pixies concert in 89 and looked around and went, man, this is white. <laughs> I mean, Whitetown. That's,
1: that's sick. <laughs> that's yeah. so good.
0: So this was from his 97 album, Women in Technology. It got to number one in the UK. Outside the UK, it was number one in Iceland, Israel, and Spain, and was top 10 in 12 other countries, 23 in the States, got to number two here. And the song that kept it off the number one spot here was Freak by Silverchair.
1: Oh, damn.
0: Yeah. Okay. Which I I thought that would have came out later. Freak was later than Your Woman mm. in my memory. It just seems like Freak was more 99, 2000. But no, it wasn't.
1: It's so funny, the concept of, like, yeah, these things in art that fight for the top spot of just, like, an overall, like, chart within the form. When... They just, they couldn't, they're just different things, you know, like going, oh, this, this song is like more popular than this other song, but they're just like, they're completely different beasts. Yeah. And really it tells you nothing. It's, it's more just down to like the fact that there was probably a bit more like local pride in yeah. like, the fact that Silver Chair were Australian.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so he recorded this on an eight track in his uh, bedroom, played to his girlfriend who liked it and said, Hey, you should do something with that. So he made five mm. copies of it and sent one to Radio One, the big uh, radio station in the UK, and yep. they started playing it. It was the most requested track of the week and landed him a deal with EMI. It, in its first week, it sold 165,000 copies and mm-hmm. uh, went to number one. But the thing was, he didn't want to be in the video for it. That's why they made <laughs> that kind of creepy video for it.
1: Have you um, Have you ever dug in on the album?
0: Uh, yeah, we used to, on an old radio show I used to do called Lime Champions because he's got a, a fair few um, instrumental tracks. There was one called okay. like a theme for a <laughs> mid, mid-afternoon mid game show and we would use that under certain sketches we did. Yeah, do. right. Yeah. Um,
1: so there's a lot of instrumental tracks on the album? A, a
0: few, yeah. There's a few that are singing. Yeah, he right. He said, this is what he said. He goes, I'm a mediocre singer. I'm a terrible guitarist. I'm a pretty good keyboardist. I'm a good producer. Not amazing, but good. And when okay. people talked to him about his one hit wonder, he said, look, it's better than a no hit wonder. And he's like, to be a professional musician and to be entertaining people 20 years after my biggest hit, I'm the luckiest person alive. Just have one song that connects to people. Most musicians dream their entire lives of having that. I like him. I yeah. think he's good.
1: That's cool. That's a cool way of looking at it. I was going to say, I might dig into the, I've never, you know, those one hit wonder songs. Yeah. You never think to like, yeah, dig into, dig into yeah. the full album.
0: And uh, Stephen Merritt, uh, the lead singer of the Magnetic Fields, known Grumblebum, uh, he loves this song and says it is his favourite pop song of the last decade, and he, oh, last couple of decades, because he said that in 2010. And um, Pitchfork, oh no, he said it in 99, Pitchfork in 2010, mm-hmm. named it the 158th best track of the 90s. Wow. So, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, it's a great song. Yeah, I could see it having a little comeback on TikTok. Get that little...
0: Well, yeah, little creepy keyboard bit. I know a band did do this on like a version as well on Triple J. I can't remember what band oh, okay. it was though, but yeah. But I could see. I know um, Tame Impala did "Remember Me" by Blue Boy. I could see them doing this mm-hmm. and doing a very good version of this oh, as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, moving on. Here is a song about heroin. It's by Blur. It's called "Beatle Bum." Do you like it, Tommy?
1: Good song. I never really got into Blur, so I was kind of hearing that for the first time, honestly.
0: I also, I mean, I was very aware of Blur. I had friends who, Mm. they were their favourite band of that Britpop era. I, as I've said on the show before, I was more Oasis. Um, They were funny in, in, in interviews and I was reading music magazines more than listening to music at the time because you just couldn't just listen to music all the time. Uh, but, uh, I, I like Blur a lot and I think they're an interesting, interesting band. Uh, this album in particular was their self-titled album Blur. This was the lead single from it, which is an odd choice when you've got song two, uh, on the album to go, no, no, we're going to go with the five and a half minute, uh, song that starts off slow about heroin. It's got a very lovely chorus. Uh, but it's all downstrokes on the guitar and we're just going to do this. And the record label... it's crazy to... The record label were like, no, you should release song two first. I went, no, no, we'll do this one first.
1: That's bizarre. Isn't it crazy to think about a song like song two that is now so ubiquitous and to be at a point where you're one of like the few people in the world that's heard it. (laughs) There's like maybe like eight people that know what the song is and being like, "Uh, not quite being sure which way it's going to go. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I've got, to, I've, I've got to make an effort and go back and try and get on Blur because I love Gorillaz and I kind of think that's a bit of what it is. Like, yeah, I try and listen to Blur and I just kind of go, I just prefer this guy's voice when he's doing, like, yeah, electronic yep. dancey sort of stuff with other people in the mix. I saw yeah, Blur at um, Splendour in the Grass one year and I was just, I don't know, man, I was just bored. It <laughs> didn't do it for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're expecting, like, Gorillaz have such a great live show as well. And blur's just yeah. four English dudes in their fifties standing there. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's a hard sell. Uh what is a Beetlebum? No one knows. He just kind of was singing it. He said it fit with the melody. And then he played it to the band and he said, Oh, should I change that to something else? No, 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 we like it. Leave it in. And uh their producer Steven Street, he was like, I didn't know Beetlebum was about heroin, I just thought it was something they'd made up. He goes, I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: There's, you know, that I don't know if this has come up before, but, like, apparently when, um, with U2, when they're writing stuff, often Bono will just do kind of, like, filler, you know, lyrics to sort of get the melody down, and he just, like, sings in gibberish. And I believe, I think their name for it is Bongolese. <laughs> 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 hey, he's just riffing in Bongolese over the
0: top of this. Um, So this is a bit of a departure of sound for Blur. They used to before this album were a lot more like a a, like Chas and Dave kind of we're English and we're very English. And then mm. uh, the guitarist Graham Coxon was like just obsessed with like lo-fi indie American bands like Pavement and stuff like that. And he was like, right, that's the kind of stuff I want to do. And so Damon Album was like, cool, you write some music then. And so it was more of a collaborative effort. And also I think, Damon Albarn was on heroin and went, yeah, you do the work. I'm happy. You go. Go and do it. I'll just (laughs) stay here with my girlfriend from Elastica and and do heroin. Uh, I'll just uh, be on this
1: stained mattress in the corner if you need me.
0: Yeah. And just before the album, um, they went in to record it, he just fucked off to Iceland because he saw a TV show about their black sandy beaches and went, I want to go there. And so he just went went to Iceland. That was it.
1: That's awesome. Who, Albarn did that? Yeah.
0: He was just like... He said he always had dreams as a kid about black sandy beaches, and didn't know it was a real <laughs> thing. And then saw a thing, and went, "Oh wow, my dreams are coming true."
1: Yeah, I mean that would spin you out if you <laughs> if you thought it was something you just invented in your brain.
0: Yeah. All right, our final song, Tommy. Here we go. Mm. This is this song is written by Mr. Rockset himself, Per Gissel. This is Belinda Carlisle and her song, "Always Breaking My Heart." <laughs>
1: This what you want everything me if you didn't know this who this song was by and you heard that opening I reckon this vocal coming in would really spin you out yeah after a while it gets to smile
0: and Look, I just think the this song are after okay. the last two songs seems like it's from so 1985. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say, what's she? What's she doing here?
0: Uh-huh. I'll tell you what she's doing here. A little bit further. All right. All right. So that was from cool. her album "A Woman and a Man," which also explain it uh, describes Roxette as well. Just a woman and a man. Uh, the last time she ever made the charts in Australia, it limped in at right. number 50. Although it Ooh. did get to number eight in the UK. The album it's from okay. wasn't released in the States initially, but then it did quite well in the UK. So they went, all right, we'll give it a, a US release. Uh, Belinda Carlisle, if you don't know, singer of the legendary band, The Go-Go's. Amazing, amazing documentary on them. You should see it. It's called The Go-Go's. I think it's on ABC mm-hmm. iView. You can just look it up free. There you go. Uh, before The Go-Go, she was the drummer for the punk band, The Germs which Pat Smear, future member of Nirvana, was in the band. Although she never played a gig with them because she got glandular fever and had to quit. Um, when she was recovering from uh, glandular fever, she was like, no, I, I, th- I want to be in a band. This is the thing I miss the most. And so she uh, joined an all-girl band and they were the first and only female band in history who wrote their songs and played their instruments to have a number one album in America. Wow. Even to this day. Cool. Yeah. Really? Yep, they sold over seven million records. Uh, Belinda Carla left the band in '85, went solo, had a string of hits. This ain't one of them. um, And she liked to party. And she once went on a bender, went to the races, and the next morning she woke up to discover she bought a horse from the (laughs) racetrack.
1: Yeah, that's good stuff. Yep.
0: So, in. So, what? So, that's that's what I she was thinking. Really... When you said, what was mm-hmm. she thinking? She had a lot of cocaine going through her, her veins. Right. At this time. She was friends I mean, with yeah, more... uh, Evan Dando from the Lemonheads. And if you're friends with Evan Dando in the 90s, you, mm. you, you might have a drug problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was more like I was going to say, just like musically, like that song. Like you said, it sounds like it's from the late eight. Like, it really does sound like it's bandwagon jumping, but it's like a decade yeah. after the fact.
0: Yeah. I, I guess her audience were fans of hers in the eighties. So it's like, all right, let's not drift too far from that sound. And, you know, yeah. Roxette had been huge like four years ago, like the possibly yeah. like, one yeah. of the biggest bands in the world. you got a guy writing like four you, going, hey, this is the guy from Roxette. He knows how to write a pop song. Go and do it. And so she's probably like, yeah, all right. Uh, she stopped using cocaine in 2005 uh, after she spent three days in a London hotel doing coke, smoking cigarettes. Apparently she smoked five packs a day. Oh, my God. And playing games on a laptop for three days straight. That's all she was doing. <laughs> on the third day, she said she had a vision of herself being found dead in the hotel and then had a hallucination where a loud voice informed her, you are going to die here if you carry on like this. And she stopped and went into uh, treatment. uh, And she's been sober since 2005. And in 2014, in the Sydney Morning Herald, she said, I don't smoke anymore. I don't drink anymore. I don't do drugs anymore. I'm into Buddhism now. And she said, turning 40 really, really mellowed her out.
1: Yeah, right. The classic pipeline. No more smoking, no more drugs. It's just all Buddhism for me.
0: Yeah. But I thought you'd you'd appreciate just playing games on a laptop in 2005. What would yeah. you be playing on a laptop? Dragon's just like, oh solitaire my god, or stuff, <laughs> that's like a that? great
1: question. Pardon?
0: Was it just be solitaire and and free cell? Yeah, what came out on the PC
1: in 2005? I actually don't know. This is more of an Adam Knox kind of question. He's right. got an incredible encyclopedic knowledge of. <laughs> release dates of everything on every platform But yeah, I mean, same playing games on the laptop If you're Belinda Carlisle, I don't think you're tapped into like, you know, Half-Life 2 or anything no. like that I, Yeah, you are playing like, yeah, Minesweeper and Solitaire and Yeah Yeah, Just whatever the little coke, bullshit ones that come doing
0: up. Minesweeper <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Tommy, that is the end of mm. Side B of 97 The Music Let's go through them all and see how many Tommy Daslow thinks are hits Okay, starting okay. off with I Belong To You by Gina G Hit. Hit. Good. Disco tech, you too. Hit. Desperately Wanting by Better Than Ezra. Not a hit. Not a hit. No. Good. Don't Let Go Love, in Vogue. Hit. Come and Ride the, the Train, Quad City DJs. Oh, hit. A Different Beat by Boyzone. Not a hit. Your Woman, Whitetown. Hit. Beetle Bum by Blur. Mm I didn't love it, but I guess hit. Alright. Always break my heart, Belinda Carla. Uh I liked it. Hit. Alright, here we go. We've got seven out of nine. That's the same score as side A. That's good. Great. It's a yeah. very good score. That was a good, was a good, a good, good album of songs. It is ninety seven. Yeah, pretty, two pretty like pretty good huge uh, clunkers, uh, but yeah, yeah. The, the, that's yeah. the thing the, the clunkers on this one are big clunkers like they are really bad right. that boy's own song could be one of the worst songs we've had on here including red hot chili Peppers songs
1: um <laughs> well that uh that spanish one that i was telling you i found the track list of that had virtual insanity by Jimi on it oh. so I, I immediately i was like okay i understand why i've been asked onto this episode and I was excited to really blow this out to four hours of me talking about Jamiroquai. <laughs> uh,
0: when when we do a Jamiroquai song, even if you can't be on the whole episode, I'll get you in just for that little bit there. You can fill us oh, in on all the history yeah, of it. Uh, have so they I don't come have to do the up? They'd...
1: Oh, they wouldn't have. I guess. I guess they wouldn't have come up yet, right? Not yet. not yet. Probably not yet. Probably ninety eight, because so all this stuff that's like one hundred percent hits ninety seven. Did it, is it like, wait, did, is it kind of like the Hottest 100 where it's like the album came out in 97, but the songs are all from 96? or uh, the songs Some of from it, yeah.
0: The, sometimes it's like they're, they're pushing songs that an album's coming out on and sometimes it's like, hey, these were big hits and we just right. gotta, we've just we got the rights from them, so we're going to put them on. Yep. Shift some units. Well, I think
1: Jamiroquai started having hits in like, yeah, <clears> 90, 97, 98, I think. Yeah. I That's remember. When they start to really get in the charts.
0: Yeah. I think it was, yeah, 90, 98. I reckon it was... First year of me at college, so 98, yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah,
1: okay. Exciting stuff. (laughs) Tommy,
0: thanks for doing this. Uh, you got a show in the Comedy Festival coming up.
1: Yeah, I do. It's called Scam Artists. It's about how I had my identity stolen and I tried to track down the person who did it. It's on at uh, the Coopers Inn from March 29th until April the 9th at 7.30.
0: I've seen a version of the show and listeners, go, go and see it. I highly recommend it. You, you will spend a bit of the time in the show like I do when I watch a Pixar film with my kids going, whose voice is that? I recognize that voice.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I am starting to think that maybe that was like a bit of a mistake to get, to no, get it's lots of good people to do the voices because, yeah, I wonder if it is it is distracting from the actual content.
0: No, nah, it's really good. Hey, uh, listeners of the show, I'm doing the podcasts uh, Saturdays, 3 o'clock at uh, Morris House, which is old European beer, uh, beer cafe um and also i'm doing hundreds and hits the best of the best of 97 on april 4 at max watts which is part of festival club and then april 18 doing uh don't know who i am live festival club i can tell you the lineup there is deanne smith mark watson ed gamble and sarah Schaefer. so four internationals uh, oh, Mark nice. and Deanne have done it before Sarah and Ed have not done it before So it's going to be lots of fun So make sure you get a ticket Go to joshiel.com.au for all the tickets Plus my kids show, it's on sale as well That's selling very well, especially the opening uh, day If you want to bring your kids to a sold out show Come the opening day, April 2nd at Q Courthouse Anyway, thanks Tommy Thanks listeners Thank you Josh I'll see you next time, I'm bye I'm